Howdy G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of For Your Game. She's back, one of my favorites, LPGA Teaching Hall of Fame instructor, PGA of America member, LPGA Top 50 teachers, and one of four to be designated as the LPGA's elite, elite swing instructors. Always a pleasure to have Kay McMahon on today's podcast. Hi, Kay. Hi, Holly. You are the best. Thank you for having me on. It's always, always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, we're just a few weeks out from the Masters. And, of course, one of the most, I think, uh, interesting aspects of the Masters are those green complexes at Augusta National. Um, you know, it's really something to watch the best players in the world constantly protect against a three-putt, potentially a four-putt, um, because those greens are so challenging. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, they um, when you hear them on TV or watch them on TV or even in person, the greens are huge, the brakes are very big, they're very fast, but it's interesting because they talk about and I then observe many, many of the pros are very good lag putters. So you hear that word all the time of what does it really mean. I get some of the amateurs that come to me and they get over a 30-foot putt and they get disappointed if they don't make it. Um, so, you know, it's great when you make them. And they, you, the guys even on tour um, at the Masters, they get excited when they make that 30, 40, 50-foot putt. But I don't think they're exactly thinking they're going to make it because what they're trying to do is to lag it or get it close. What they don't want to do, as you well know, is to have that four or five or six-footer coming back, which turns into a three-putt at times. Uh, absolutely. Or in the case at Augusta, because you don't really see some of the severe slopes on television you know, the possibility of, and we've seen it on 13 and 15, where, you know, they can go over the green and in the water. Oh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, for the amateur golfers, I, I get this all the time, you know, they're, sometimes they're going at the pin, and I call them sometimes sucker pins, is that you shouldn't be going at them. You want to hit the center of the green. Um, the pros, though, have an advantage because they have their yardage books. I get these questions all the time, like, what are they really looking at? Well, they've got the greens mapped out, so they actually then know where the pin placement is going to be also, but they also know where they don't want to be on the green so that they have a better putt at it. And I think that that's very interesting. So on your home courses, I often suggest that the average amateur golfer sometimes, you know, make 18 circles and have your own make your own garage book and divide that green into maybe four quadrants or six quadrants and figure out how long it is, uh, how long the green is, or where you wouldn't want to be or where you would want to be. And um, so then you know in your planning or as you play, your decision-making of when to go at something and when to play it cautiously. So I think that's what the pros do so well in their what we call the difference between you can have your strategy of how, how you play a hole beforehand, but then you can have how you actually make your decisions once you get on the golf course. So it's kind of the strategy versus management is kind of an interesting thing. You can first have your strategy, but you have to make different decisions on the golf course. 
Yeah, it's interesting, and I heard somebody say um, recently, you know, pros play to a spot, not to the hole. And wouldn't you say most amateurs, you know, putt to the hole? Well, you're you're absolutely right. And then you know you get um, they do play for a spot. Um, as I say, you first figure out how much break there's going to be, and many people overread or spend too much time thinking about the break, and they forget about the distance, meaning the speed. And speed is 99% of every putt. So you do putt to a spot, and then I say every putt is a straight putt. The land is what makes it curve. But so many people forget that part of the read is, am I going uphill? Am I going downhill? And so when I say speed, if it does have a break in it, if you hit it too hard at that spot, it's going to be like, you know, a fire hose. It's not going to break until after it loses speed. If I hit it too soft, less speed, it's going to break too soon. So you really have to consider that speed or that lag is the most important part of every putt, yet that's not thought of as much as break is. Yes. Um, you know, back to the Masters, weather conditions, uh, wind, rain, heat, can also impact green speeds. And we saw that on the Saturday round, Kay, when, um, you know, after the, the short rain delay, uh, Matsuyama was one of the few players who adjusted pretty easily to the changing green speeds. And he made four birdies and an eagle on his way to a six under 30 on the second nine, which uh, resulted in a three-shot lead going into the final round on Sunday. I know. He really did adjust very well. And you're right about you have to take into the considerations. And sometimes you hear that on um, for the amateurs, they go to practice on a putting green. And then they get on the golf course, and the greens on the golf course are way different than they are on a putting green, which is typically what happens. So you have to sometimes, I would say, play your first three holes kind of cautiously and figure out what the speed of the greens are because all your 18 greens are going to be close to, to that. But weather does have a big uh, influence on it. I also want to say that um, putting, the putting stroke has changed kind of the technique because greens today are cut much closer than they ever were, let's say, even 20 or 30 years ago. So the stroke, if you really look at the old-time stroke, they really had to sometimes give it a good wallop or, yeah. And today, sometimes you just barely have to touch it. And and um, my good friend and our, your good friend, Dean Knuth, the, the, um, the, the inventor of the slope, the Pope of the slope, who invented the slope system to figure out how fast the greens were really really took that into consideration, which he invented, I guess, now maybe 15, 16 years ago. Talk about, you know, sometimes you'll see players putt it off the toe, you know, to reduce the speed of a putt. Uh, do you find that effective? Um, it's a good point. This would be a personal preference of mine. Um, obviously, when you hit a ball not in the center of the club face on any shot, it's not going to go as far. So, even on a full swing, every quarter of an inch that you're off the center, you're going to lose in a full swing somewhere between 10 to 20 yards in distance and direction. So if you think about hitting a putter on the toe, especially if you're going downhill and very fast, the ball's not going to go as far. Now, I found that when, you, when my personal preference is if that happens, the putter kind of shakes a little bit, and so you may put a spin on it. 
So I tell people instead of trying to hit it on the toe, still hit it in the center of the face. But you have to, your brain is, is telling you you're, let's say, 20 feet away or 10 feet away. You have to cut that distance in your brain in half or a quarter or three quarters. So you're telling yourself it's a different distance. So then if it's, let's say, it's 20 feet and it's pretty fast, I might have to consider it's a 10-foot putt and I'm allowing gravity to take over the rest. So there's two different ways of looking at that. Okay, let's talk about uh, when you're on the fringe or let's say you have you know maybe that little bit longer uh pot just off the green from the fairway this is a place i always get stuck in terms of do i do i grab a wedge do i grab the flat stick what's the what's the best play and now a lot of times you see the tour players you was using a hybrid or a wood. The hardest thing about that is to judge how much the, the fairway or the fringe is going to slow the ball down. So that becomes a difficult judgment. That's why people will then tend to chip it, which then takes that fringe or that fairway out of it. And then once you chip it, you're just it's just like a putt. The problem with that, I think, is in considering your choice of clubs, you need to basically also look at the lie of the golf ball, meaning... How is it sitting in the grass or how much grass is underneath it? And that then should determine, will help determine which club you want to use. So the reason that people are using the hybrid or a wood is it's got a more of a flat, softer surface so that you can feel like you can just brush the grass and not stub it into the ground, which it still also has some loft. So you're using that almost as, a, as a, like an iron, but you don't have that sharp leading edge that could then... Ch- um, hit it kind of chunky or fat, um, as you might with a wedge. So I think either sometimes the hybrid or the putter are your safer um, uh, choices of clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes if you have it, you know, if the ball's sitting down in the in the fairway a little bit and it's a little tight lie, the putter's going to make a jump. So it may hop over that fringe too. So you really have to start to look at the lie of the golf ball, how it sits in the grass. Yeah. Do you recommend maybe going to, you know, a sand wedge more often in a case like that on a tight lie? I, what I recommend, you have to be careful. of Everyone's got different sand wedges, which is have different bounces, meaning the sole, the club, right. how big that sole is or not. So a tight lie, you want to play farther back in your stance. But then that changes your plan of where you're going to land it because now you're creating more run. So the tighter the lie the farther back in your stance, your hands are slightly more forward. That takes the bounce out of it a little bit, and you need to catch, you'll just be catching the ball a little cleaner because that's how the club is designed. Well, I know, Kay, you have, uh, during uh, the past year of COVID, been giving some fantastic online webinars. And uh, tell my listeners about the one you've got going on now and how they can connect with you. Yeah, the webinars have been fabulous, and we've just been getting um, during successful. People are actually getting better and have learned so much because they haven't been able to go outside. They they're starting out their spring, uh, having scores that are much better than they have before. But the webinar that, that I think has been the fun one is what we call it: evaluate and elevate your game. And we have found that people are not evaluating what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses. 
So we're doing a lot of charting on how long your first putt is, are you hitting fairways, are you hitting greens, but even getting more detailed about those statistics because that you you want to know, um, let's go back to putting. Um, I have one actually young junior who now is talking about she has, her putting has been really, really good, but she wasn't hitting any greens in regulation. So now she's hitting greens in regulation, so her lag putting isn't as good because she's now 20 or 30 feet away. Whereas before she would hit a chip shot, she'd be 5 to 10 feet away and would be making more of those putts. So now we've evaluated her game, and now we're going to work more on lag putting. So um, anyway, so we're still doing And actually, we have a new short game webinar coming up a week from this Monday. It's going to start. It's a five-week course. And people can sign up uh, at educationgolf.com, but it's, as you know, spelled with K-A-Y in the middle of that, educationgolf.com. And uh, we're recommending people do that, and now they're combining it with personal one-on-one lessons online, too, from all over the place. Technology is a beautiful thing, isn't it, Kay? (laughs) It is great, and it's actually working, so... um, we're flipping the coin here. Absolutely. Um, and also, my listeners should know that you have your Fridays with Kay. Uh, these are a few uh, a free Q&A session in which, um, you know, golfers can pop on a, a Zoom call with you and uh, ask questions. And it's, it's a fantastic uh, platform that you provide, absolutely free. And the chance for golfers around the country and your students all to interact and and get time with Kay McMahon, Hall of Famer. Who would pass up that opportunity? <laughs> oh, Holly, you're great. You're great. And yeah, the Q and A's have been fabulous. We we talk about a lot of uh, different things. We we also sometimes have special guests on, and we're going to have a, a special guest coming up in a couple weeks. Um, it's so, and we also then it's I, I talk about everything you ever wanted to know about golf, but we're afraid to ask. So the conversations go all over the place. The last conversation eventually went from being prepared to how do you deal with someone who plays loud music in the cart and you don't like their their their, their, their type of music. <laughs> it's been interesting. Yeah, it really, so. really is. But they, they are, you know, real-life situations, and I've learned so much just listening from other players and, you know, also uh, just some, some great uh, interaction as well. So, uh, Kay, as always, we appreciate your time. And uh, once again, that's educationgolf.com e-d-u-k-a-y-t-i-o-n golf.com a new webinar coming up uh, go sign up and uh, join Kay for her Friday Q&A's and all they have to do is reach out to you right Kay? That's all they have to do we welcome everybody and like you said everybody learns from everybody else so it's great well Always, always a pleasure to have you on the Golf Insiders. Kay McMahon, thank you so much. Thank you, Holly. Keep your head up. Bye-bye.